Hello and welcome to the Undead Wookiee Podcast, episode 62, Event Horizon. Hello and welcome back. I am your host as always, Hugh Lloyd. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello, hope you're all having a great time out there. Um, hope Storm Dennis hasn't uh, blown you away or left you uh, left you up your knees in water. Um, I hope everybody's safe. I hope everybody's well. Um, so let's enjoy the show. Take your mind off things for a little bit. So without further ado, and before I introduce my very, very special co-host on this episode, let's check out the trailer for Event Horizon. Bill 300 this morning, TDRS picked up an automated navigation beacon broadcasting at two-minute intervals in Neptune orbit. Neptune orbit. This is incredible. It's the event horizon. She's come back. The event horizon is the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster-than-light flight. The ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point of the universe to another light years away. Where has she been for the last seven years, Doctor? That's what we're here to find out. After seven years in deep space... There were 18 people on board this ship when it disappeared. I want them all accounted for. Opening outer door. It came back abandoned. Any crew? Negative. This place is a tomb. But it didn't come back alone. Captain Miller! I've got some problems here! This ship has been beyond the boundaries of our universe. Who knows where it's been and what it's brought back with it. This ship is reacting to us, and the reactions are getting stronger. What are you telling me? That this ship is alive? I have such wonderful things to show you. Oh, my God. It knows my secrets. (laughs) It knows my fears. Vacate. I want off this ship. I can't leave. She won't let you. God help us. And we are back. And I am incredibly excited to introduce my very, very special co-host for this episode. Uh, he is an actor, uh, a photographer, and just an all-round, generally awesome guy. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you, for his first time on the Undead Wookiee, the fool, he said yes, it's Mr. Derek Nelson. How the devil are you, sir? I am very, very good, man. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, honestly, dude, thank you for coming on. Um, it's, it's great. It's great that I'm really looking forward to this. And we're talking about an awesome film. Yes, we are. We are talking about an awesome film on this one. Um, so, 
just before I was kick in, and just so that our listeners get to know you a little bit. Uh, now, I sort of first came across you uh, when you were working on some of Andrew Jones's films. Yes. Um, and I got to meet you on set, but also I know that you were sort of, you, you know, you've done a lot of work in front of the camera with Andrew as well. And Yeah, you know. yeah. So where might the good people find you? Uh, so with Andrew, we've got... I think about eight films yeah yeah okay, yeah um so going back 2017 we did uh cabin 28 together yes. and then there's werewolves of the third reich uh jurassic predator the fourth in the robert the doll series yes um we got utah cabin murders coming out this year yeah haunting of margam which you joined us on i did i did i, I honestly i'm very excited for that Actually, I'm yeah, you an awesome both. set, awesome yeah. set, and very like quite atmospheric in there as well. Yeah, and you know, legend has it the place is really haunted. You know, weirdly, I didn't really feel anything when I was there. Yeah, I, I, I was so amped for it though. I was like so excited. I was like, right, we're going to a haunted place. It's all these legends. I'm looking for Robert Scott. Nothing. Nothing. However, it did frighten the shit out of me as I was driving in because I'd totally forgotten there was deer there. Oh, uh, yeah. I thought I was going to have like some... Eyeballs, yeah. yeah, I thought I was going to have some kind of get-out moment where the, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get oh, gored yeah. by a deer. Yeah. And um, they're huge! I, yeah, they're massive. And there's like a whole flock, or what, what do you call it? Herd? What do you call it? Like a... I think it's a herd. A herd, herd yeah. Of deer. <laughs> Flo- flocks, flocks generally fly. <laughs> ah. That's uh, that makes more sense. But that being said, though, not feeling anything, we might have actually captured supernatural activity on camera. See, it gets even better. Gets even I know. Better. So I'll lay the scene. OK. You know how when you first walk in, you have yes. those double doors, those big, big double doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The foyer with the fireplace and then yeah. the other set of doors. Yes. So we're filming a scene where one of the characters goes outside to smoke a doobie. Yeah. Um, so the front two doors open. The back two, we had one shut and then one open. And it opened into the room as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Le- yeah. So in the script, what's supposed to happen is she goes out and then basically the doors <laughs> shut and the castle locks her out and she can't get back in. Yeah. And, you know, haunted castle and all that stuff. Yeah. So we do a take, she like pulls out her, her doobie, tries to light it, fumbles with it, has a laugh, like got a bit nervous, yeah. like, all right, we'll go for another one. She does it, lights it, walks off camera. As soon as she does, the inside door starts shutting on its oh. own and closed. Holy shit. <laughs> and he didn't cut. He didn't cut. Now, the weird thing is... So you, you met Dave, our yes, ace. Yes, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So he was around the corner at the time. So we were like, Dave, did you pull the door shut? Did you like rig some string or something? He was like, no, I thought you guys did that. Like, weird. Ooh. It wasn't that windy. And also, the way the door opened, it was like so far against the other wall that oh. wind would have had to like come into the room, go around it, and push it out to actually shut the door. See, now that... See, and, and I'm so glad that he didn't yell, Cat. That's amazing. Dude, I, I jumped up in the air and fist pumped. Yeah. I was so excited. <laughs> so excited. Like, and it As made a... sense story-wise as well. Oh, you yeah. Know? Well, at least you got creative ghosts. Yes, very creative ghosts. They but are... that was the only evidence. Yeah, I mean, because they are artistically, you know, quite difficult to sort of get to perform. 
Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, can be yeah. quite temperamental. Lots of tea and coffee, yeah. lots of sweets, yeah, you know, yeah, they're yeah. probably some of the worst. Yes, brown M&Ms Speaking served of... in a brandy glass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, you got to be on set with some genuine legends of horror. Yes, yeah. You had Carolyn um, Monroe. Yeah, she was absolutely lovely. Um, you had... Um, Jane oh, Merrow. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's 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 it, you know they are genuine legends of Hammer. Um, Vernon Dobachev. Yes. The I think he was there when you were there. Yes, as well, he was. Yeah, he? yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Um, one of the sweetest, nicest. He's like the pillar of what a good human being is. Oh, yeah. I mean, his bizarrely. Yeah. Coincidentally, he was. He played. Um, he was in a biblical production, um, and he played one of the Sanhedrin that were involved. His character was involved in like the, in the crucifixion of Jesus. Yeah. Day after, I got cast in Jesus Christ Superstar. Really? Yes, playing pretty oh. much the character who he played. So that's amazing. Yeah, it was just like this is insane. This like, is insane. Yes. Um, he he called me on Christmas Eve. Yes. And left a voicemail wishing me a Merry Christmas. Oh, what a gentleman. Yeah. What an And his, his voicemail was so sweet. It was like, you know, uh, it's Vernon Dobachev here. Uh, I don't know if you remember me. We worked together on Margham Castle. I just wanted to wish you a happy Christmas. But it was like so heartwarming, you know? Yeah. Well, he's a proper old school gent. Proper, yes. 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 I mean, he's got like over 100 credits. Uh, literally. Well he's... over 100 credits. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. The most humble, feet on the ground, salt of the earth kind of guy That's ever. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, let's get to our main event here. We yes. are talking 1997's Event Horizon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, I, I remember I missed this in the cinema. Yeah. And I think it was about, I think it was my, yeah, it must be my first year in university. Um, so I think I was about 18 when I saw this, first of all. Wow. And it like blew, give my age away now. Um, <laughs> it, it's not the age, it's the mileage. Um, it's, and it, it blew me away. It yeah. absolutely blew me away. And I hadn't long um, seen uh, Mortal Kombat uh, when that came out. I mean, that's probably one of my, from my childhood, my all time favorite film. <laughs> yeah. Every time I'd have like a sick day from school, my mom would take me to Lion Video in nice. Lake Villa, Illinois, and I'd rent Mortal Kombat and watch it all day. See, Absolutely love that film. I think the best video game movie ever made. I, 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 I got to be honest with you. I wouldn't disagree with you on that. I really it's also would. slim pickings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, in a, it's, you know, it's in a category with Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but of course, it was directed, both of these were directed by uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, not to be uh, mixed up with the other Paul Anderson. Yes. Uh, yes, because it makes slightly different films. Well, I think I've realized did he go by Paul Anderson he when this film came He did go as up? Paul Anderson at the time. Yeah, yeah. Which I think if somebody was expecting a Paul Anderson film in the <laughs> sort of vein of Magnolia. I think, they're not far off. I, I, yeah, they may have just missed the boat on this one. <laughs> but here's the other thing as well. Yeah. Like I said, it was directed by uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, um, who would go on to make the Resident Evil movies, which mm-hmm. are a real guilty pleasure of mine. They're I have really... a soft spot for the first two. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I they kind of fell off the wagon a little bit with the third. And then I need to go back. I've started to watch the other ones, but I can't remember which one I've seen of the new ones. Yeah, There's like that a is final a... chapter, all of that. Yeah. But I feel like I keep watching the last one. Yeah. I mean, it's... um. I mean, the first one has got an amazing soundtrack. The first oh, yeah. one has got an amazing soundtrack. And I'm a big yes. Slipknot fan anyway, but My Plague nice. is just, ah, oh, it's just awesome. It's just a great, it's a gr- and it just fits so well. Mm. Fits so well. Um, and this, of course, Event Horizon was then written by uh, Philip Eisner. Um, what a cast. Seriously, insanely I'd for- good. I'd forgotten how good the cast is in this. Yes. Okay, you've got Lawrence Fishburne playing Captain Miller. We've got the legend. That is Sam Neill. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely, you know, legendary. Kathleen Quinlan. Now, bizarrely, this will be the second movie that we've that I've recorded an episode on, on The Bounce, that I've, that starred Kathleen Quinlan. Really? Yeah, yeah, because we just... I, we do, um, the episode that's going to come out just before this one was Warning Signs from 1985, which stars okay. Kathleen Quinlan. Um, ah. Again, I said this on the last episode, completely hidden gem. Go back and watch it. It's, it's great. Okay. It's absolutely superb. Um, Jolie Richardson. Is it? Which one was that? Jolie Richardson. Was oh, the, she was the, um, she was the doctor. Yeah, yeah Lieutenant Stark. She yeah. was awesome. Um, Sean Pertwee, isn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, mm-hmm. Sean Pertwee is one of my favorite character actors of all time. I mean, you look dog at. Dog Soldiers, right? Oh, yeah, Dog Soldiers. Um, of course, Gotham. Um, he's, you know. Who's uh, he in Gotham? He's um, uh, Alfred. He's Alfred? Yeah. Yeah, get out. Yeah, he's he's, he's Alfred Pennyworth in the, in Gotham. Um, yeah, watch Gotham then. Yeah, it, it, he's he's so good. He nails it. He absolutely nails it. Um, I mean, he was in uh, Dog Soldiers. Um, he's done some other less salubrious stuff. Um, he was in the Musketeer. In the TV series of Musketeers, he's popped up uh-huh. in Elementary. He's been in episodes of Poirot. Um, he's done voiceovers for God knows how many video games. Um, he does the voiceover, of course, for MasterChef. <laughs> does he? Yeah, he does the voiceover for MasterChef. <laughs> Obviously. Of course, yeah. Um, you know, he has done so many good... For- he's just a great, great, great character actor. Yeah, he was fantastic in this film as well, I thought. Absolutely. He was, for me, one of the standouts, I thought. Yeah, I mean, the other guilty pleasure that um, I tell you what he is really, really good in is um, in, I think it's season two... Of Luther, uh, okay. with Idris Elba, he plays a yeah. called, he plays an ex soldier called Terry Lynch, yeah, um, in that, and he's absolutely superb in it. He's he, he's just a he's, and he's you know, his dad was Doctor Who for God's sake. Oh, his dad, you know, his dad was Doctor Who. Um, you know, he, he's just a great great actor, and he's just got better yeah. with age. He has just got better with age. I really 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 impressed with, him. and you know, Lucius Malfoy's in this. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, you know Jason Isaacs. No, I mean yes. Jason. I, you know what a cast. Yeah, what an amazing cast. Um, and what I, I, I mean, I could just you know wax lyrical for hours about this, but obviously, um, I completely forgot. I remember Lawrence Fishburne being in it and Sam Neill, but the, the supporting yeah. cast is just yeah. superb. It now, is... who was the guy who played Cooper? I don't really know him from anything else. But Richard he T. Jones. Awesome. Richard T. Jones. Um, he was in um, Phone Booth. Oh, okay. He phone was in Booth. Phone Next. Booth. Um, he's, he's done a lot of TV. Gotcha. A okay. lot of he's TV. 
he was awesome in this film. Yeah, he was great. Well, He's well, everybody was awesome in the film. Yeah, there was not a bad link in the cast. No, no, not at all. And I think he's. Um... What I like about it is it feels like an ensemble piece. Yes. It does feel like an ensemble. I mean, I think it's, you know, in terms of plot, um, how would you describe the plot? <laughs> That's quite difficult, actually. <laughs> uh, I don't just, know. I always Just throw you under the bus there. <laughs> it's, it's a haunted house in space, yeah? Perfect. Very, very basic. Yeah, yeah. You know, Uh the sci-fi twist, you know, spaceship goes missing, um, then reappears. Yeah. What is it in the in the low or high atmosphere of Neptune? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they send a rescue mission out to 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 go investigate. Yeah, and it, it, you know what always stru- struck me about this is this. It's a very simple story. It's so simple. It's a rescue mission. It it, it is, and it but it, it combines survival horror. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the feel of um, it has the touch of it. It's got that feel about Alien, about it. I, I, I may I, I noticed that especially when they're all when Weir is telling them about like the mission, like we're yeah. actually going after the Event Horizon. Yeah, and they're all sitting around smoking. Like, yeah, that's definitely an Alien vibe to it for absolutely. sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And you've got this, you know. But then you get this sort of. Um, this sort of almost Lovecraftian Clive Barker, H, yes. H, you know, H.R. Giga, um, Hieronymus Bosch sort of element. Like with his vi- drive and stuff. Yeah. With the, uh, I forget, what do they call it in the film again? I um, forget what they call it drive. Is, um, oh, the, the drive is, um, it's essentially, it contains a black hole. Yeah, 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 yeah. It contains a black hole and it sort of like bends time. Um, Oh, I love one thing I loved is when he's describing it, you get that like yeah, yeah. very classic scene of with the paper yes. and putting the hole through with two points. I love that. Um it and it's it's deliver and Sam I think only Sam Neill could get away with delivering that. Yes. Yes. You know, and I think Sam Neill is just um I mean, you know, you look at his his, his body of work is just phenomenal from Yeah. You know everything from Jurassic Park. Um, one of my favourites is Dead Calm, when Dead Nicole, Calm. with Nicole Kidman and Billy Zane. What? Yeah, all set on a boat. What happened to Billy Zane, though, man? Um, he became Billy Zane, I think, essentially, yep, and just I became a so. bit of a caricature. Yeah, he became the caricature of himself. Didn't that he? sounds that sounds about right. And he, he was in Titanic. Was he one who was the Phantom? Sorry. Yes. Was he the yeah. Love that film. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, yeah. The, no, it's a terrible film. <laughs> Who would dress up in purple in the middle of the jungle? Like <laughs> what camouflage, though? Yeah, uh, it's right up there with Franco Nero's white ninja suit in uh, in Enter the Ninja when he's hiding in the jungle. In white ninja, in a, in, in a white ninja suit. <laughs> this Italian ninja the- draped. Only an Italian ninja would be able to pull off a white suit. Uh, speaking of like things that are a little bit weird though, I I did notice like when I was watching it this time, the design of the ship is while it's beautiful yes. and like very striking to look at, so impractical. Oh, completely! It'd just be like a that ma- drive room with all the spikes yeah. on the walls and everything, and I like don't think health and safety signed off on it. Not at all. I no. But I also on that point as well, beautiful production design. It is yeah. stunning. Yeah, it is. And do you know where the influence for the design of the ship came from? 
Wasn't it uh, like a cross? Um, it's the it's the Notre Dame. Notre oh Dame. yes, yes, yeah, yeah. The arches. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Notre Dame, the Cathedral of Notre Dame. Um, but also, did you notice the shape on all the doors? No. They're all coffin shaped. Are they? Yeah, they're all coffin shaped. But see, that's like that's why it's so brilliant because it's setting up that this is you know you know it's essentially their final it's a, resting it's place. It's a giant tomb. Yeah. The entire thing yes. is like a yeah. giant tomb, and you get the sort of where they've got like the um the drive mm-hmm. um it's almost sort of you get this like almost dante's inferno feel to it because yeah. you've got that you've got the drive in the middle and what comes out of it we got all the boiling water and everything else mm-hmm. um but you look at you know whenever any they descend up and then suddenly they end up falling straight back down yep. it's like you can only get so far before it pulls you back down yep you can't escape it no no it is just um it's just an amazing it's just an amazing feat of um, of production design absolutely um, amazing Lawrence Fishburne yes. absolutely crushes it knocks it out of the park yeah and i think and again like sam neil because originally do you know who they considered to play the role who, who was originally offered to who who do you think would be the most in, in terms of like sheer physical size to get around that ship who do you think that they offered it to so you're talking like a big guy yeah is it uh are we thinking weird or popular very popular very popular actor world one of the big yes <laughs> get out yeah My guess was schwarzenegger or Dolph lundgren it was it was schwarzenegger that it was considered for the for the original role yeah what could you just imagine him sort of uh and also the dialogue well, because that's what I would say. Like, that is, I think, what Lawrence Fishburne mastered in that part is that's what made him so commanding. Like, it wasn't he wasn't physical. No, no, not at all. His voice. Yes. Like, I, I, I would follow him anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Dude. I mean, you know, well... You know, I think mean, he would go on, of course, to be, you know, you know, uh, for The Matrix. Yeah, you Morpheus. Know, yeah, you know, you, his ability, because some of the lines in this could be absolute stinkers yes but he delivers it with such authenticity and such um you know believability uh even if that's a word uh, he's <laughs> believability, so, believable, yeah. yeah but you know I believe it. yeah it's like bounce back ability um he's sort of um, definitely a word yeah <laughs> but he's that but he delivers it with such earnest and you do believe that he's a real ship's captain yeah yeah oh yeah and the crew were very believable. Yeah, I think everybody kind of combined took this. When once things start going off the rails and it gets a bit outlandish because yes. of how good everyone was, yes. like that's what kept it going. Yeah, I mean, um, I loved. Uh, it's, I really enjoyed going to see, going back and watching, like especially these '90s sci-fi films. Yes, that when they try to do like updated tech so i'll give you an example yes there's you see a cd player yes a a disc (laughs) you know so they're just like well what's the future gonna be well let's just do what we have now you know it's you know that moment can you be you know that moment where she's got the cd player the Mm -hmm. the, the cd is stuck and i don't know why i'm holding my hand out because you're the only person who can see me doing this and i'm pretending (laughs) to pull the 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 cd out of the out of the out of the cd driver i used to have my first car had a cd player that i installed myself 
Oh. I would regularly have fights whilst driving with my CD player to try and but get the CD out. You'd have to be careful, though, because you didn't want to get too many, like, fingerprints. No, no, no. You know, you know, you, know, you don't want to. So any... she was getting fingerprints all over it. Like... Yeah. yeah, no, not happening. Not happening. Not good. You know, it's... Yeah. <laughs> but that made me, like, really chuckle. I love seeing that. I think it's so funny. Yeah. I, I, but actually, when you look at the tech and everything else in it, it does have that alien feel where yeah. it's kind of gone so far. It's almost become retro. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which is like, um, which is really, really cool, which is really, really cool. And it gives it that sort of like, um, again, sort of a real vibe. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the even the mag boots and stuff like that. Yes, yes. I quite like the mag boots. Yeah, the, um, those uh, suits um weighed 68 pounds really yeah and wow. they couldn't sit down in them because just because of the shape in them yeah and they couldn't Awful. have and they couldn't have them on for too long because of the sheer weight of them so Jeez. so it's quite literally they would um suit them up shoot as quickly as they possibly could and then get, get them out. and then get them out what did you think of all the practical effects in the film i'm a massive practical effects fan I, yeah, I, and I will take practical effects over CG any day, mm-hmm. any any day, and I love the sort of, particularly Sam Sam Neill's um, sort of transformation. Yeah, into the, you know that sort of you know he does become the personification of evil on that ship, doesn't he? Yeah, um, and it's almost like Hellraiser esque. Oh yeah, with the cuts oh, in his yeah. face and the, the markings, the symbols, and those type of things. I loved it. I thought they were absolutely superb, and I think it was done just right. It was just you know, it, yeah. It, it was, it, they they got it right. They nailed it. Um, it wasn't too much. No, no. However, but it was very grotesque. Yes. However, the original director's cut for this was 130 minutes long. I want to see that version. They made him cut. 30 minutes from the mm. film and they made him cut 30 minutes of violence yeah well, the... was it apparently the um when you actually see like the death what do you call it, death orgy yes yeah that was <laughs> like that was insanely cut down yes um, um and they made him cut it right the way down um but he at one point they were talking about doing a direct releasing a director's cut of it yeah however the footage was not stored anywhere. Wasn't it in like a salt mine? Or yeah, something? they found it. Part of the footage was like stored in a Czechoslovak, a Polish like salt mine. Like what? <laughs> you could just imagine all these sort of Polish miners going, Yuri, what shall we play whilst we mine? <laughs> I have event horizon, director's cut. Nobody see this. You get to see real fucking death orgy. I don't know why I did that. I apologize to anybody who I've offended with that accent, but um... <laughs> death orgiest. Yes, yes. You know, in, in this woke age. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, I gotta be careful about everything. Um, well, I would love to see that version. Yeah. He's. Do you know? Because I will say one slight criticism that I did, another little criticism I noticed was it felt like the switch into full-on horror, like the Act 3 bit, yes. switched so fast, especially with Weir. Yes. With Sam Neill's character. Yeah, yeah, All yeah, of a sudden, absolutely. 
you look back at him and then he's like he's in the chair and he's going evil and then the, he disappears into the darkness yes. and then his eyes out yeah yeah it just it felt so so quick and i think that's you know I think we would have because we get a little bit of his descent into madness. Oh no, it was definitely there, but it's like, not enough. I, it, it, it doesn't. Sort of, it's it's sort of like that sort of that escalated really quickly. Yeah, and I was invested. I would have watched more. I yeah. was ready for like, and especially with the cast being as talented as they were, they were really like hook, line, and sinker, getting you into this story. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's I'm, because it's sort of like that idea, isn't it, that the ship is possessed. Yes, the the ship is possessed, and it breaks yes. wherever it's gone. He, he talks about um, the wherever a, a world of pure chaos. Yeah, I'm uh, pure pure chaos, and I think that you know that sort of, and he sat there with no eyes in this mm-hmm. in this massive like gothically throny type of uh, kind of sort of, and again, I think only Sam Neill um, could have pulled that off. Could have pulled that off because I mean, he sort of. He manages to make it sort of, without being really, really cheesy, he manages to make it sort of very believable. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's, you know, he's a phenomenal actor at doing that. I mean, one of my favorite films of Sam Neill is the one he did with John Carpenter. Um, uh, ma- mm- Mouth of ma- Mountains. Is it Mountains of Madness? Mountains, it's, yeah, it, it's got that sort of, like, light, uh, sort of... Um, uh, sort of again lovecraftian feel to it mm-hmm. and he sort of there's that moment in it where he's where they open up the padded cell and um he's got all the crosses that he's drawn on his face with like ink with like a, with yeah, like a pen, yeah, and he yeah. sat there and like the world is ending uh <laughs> uh yeah in the mouth of madness in the mouth, mouth of madness okay. yeah which is a superb totally underrated john carpenter film totally underrated john carpenter film um, it's crazy. Like I noticed, he's got the crosses on the, in that face, and then now he's got to scratch the the cuts. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yes, and I think you know, out of uh, that superb casting, absolutely superb casting, and like when you talk about his switch, he's kind of like the Agent Scully. Okay. Of the entire thing, he's like everybody's having these hallucinations, and he's like, no, it's not, no, 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 don't be ridiculous, and then yeah. it starts happening. Um, and like some of the hallucinations are horrific. Yes, it's weird because I just started watching X Files. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen it before, so I'm episode seventeen of season one at the minute. For me, season one is the best. Really? Oh yeah, it's the best. I love season one. It's, it's don't get me wrong; they're all very, very good, except for the like the kind of tails off at the end. But it's very, very good. It's a really good series. Some awesome do, you, do you mean at the end when they come back for the last two series? Or... Yeah, yeah. It's not okay. quite the same. It's and like obviously when Duchovny dips dips out of it as well. When when does that happen? Is that that's much later on? Much later on towards yeah. Okay. Sort of, it's much. I think it's about season eight, something like that. Okay. I think he dips out of there. Somebody will correct me uh, later on. But it's Robert yeah. Patrick, isn't it, who yeah. comes in to replace and him? Robert Patrick's great actor, superb actor, but he's not. Duchovny, he's not Scully, you know, he's not Mulder, yeah. he's not yeah. Mulder. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But like, for you, when you saw this, what are like the standout elements for you? For you know, when we're talking Event Horizon, what are the standout moments? Um, standout moments are probably. I like the Burning Man thing. That's amazing. Yeah, very especially like I do I do love that shot with the legs going through. And then to learn that that was animatronic legs, I was like yeah. that's wicked cool. Um I kind of I like 
I love the setup. Yeah. Like the 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 alien esque conversation yeah. conversation scene. Yeah. And and like and Sam Neil comes in. He's like, "Do you know what this mission is? This yeah. is for the Event Horizon." And and the way he delivers it, I'm like, "I want to know more." Like, and I love the fact that Sean Pertwee's character gets up to leave. Yeah, he's like, "Ah, oh, oh, fuck, I'm going." No, done. done. <laughs> uh, that one, um, I quite liked seeing like. So a little moment is where Jason Isaacs is coming around when they get into the sleep tanks first. Yes. When they're about to fly off, and he offers Sam Neil a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. You ain't gonna have this for a while. You want one? So it's it was like little touches like that that I think made it more believable to watch now. Um, that fought against something like a CD-ROM. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like that completely. felt very realistic. Yeah. And I, I wanted more time with the crew. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing that, in terms of the film, I don't. Th- the characters are so interesting, mm. um, and this film moves like lightning it, yeah it's so fast it is so fast there's no the, the, you're pretty much into it you get a Love little get. bit yeah you're in you're in and i think that's the one thing that does kind of sort of you think i'd really want to spend a bit more time with jason isaac's character and sean pertwee's character and sort of the dynamic there because there's a great standoff scene between the two of them um and where, this? where jason isaac's character puts a scalpel to Sean Pertwee's neck when he's trying to when he's trying to beat yeah. Sam Neill up, it's yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Jason Isaacs' character is completely. He's almost like um, he's completely unhinged. Yeah, um, and I wanted to know more about what um, Richard T. Jones's character was. Yeah, remember yeah. how like he was like, all right, well, what's your job on the on the on the ship? And then he, I forget what he says, but he has some line calling back to it later. Is he's like he's the fixer? Yeah. Yeah, if it goes well, wrong, I want to know yeah. kind of more about that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, um... oh, I loved when he saved himself. Yes, after yeah. the ship explodes, yeah. and then he's like having this like freak out, and he's like, "Nah, you got this, you got this." <laughs> yeah, he's... tank. And I wanted like I was so excited for him to just like bust through the glass or yeah. something. You no, know? but but I love the fact that he doesn't just like arrive at the glass. He like slams up against it. Yes, it's yes, like, whack. Because it, it, it's it, you know. It, I think any given sort of heroic moment in any kind of film is always too smooth. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't smooth, no. and it actually wasn't even heroic. No, 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 he's totally he inadvertently too... saved them because he got Sam Neill to shoot. Oh, I love those guns. Yeah, the, the like the bolts, the the, put the the using to repair the ship, the drivet, the, like, yeah, the yeah, and like that. Lawrence Fishburne locks and loads to go hunt Sam Neill, but not with a gun. No, it's... with whatever he had, which is which again is I think. What this film has is a great amount of sort of ingenuity to it, and there's, yeah. there's a there's a, pra- there's a real practical element to it. There's this sort of um, you can feel it, and it, mm-hmm. even down to like the sort of totally total mental architecture of a of a yes. ship. You know, yes. the, you know, we, we've already said you know like we got the big spikes sticking out of the wall in a three you know where you're in a zero gravity <laughs> environment, big sharp pointy sticks. Like, and just explosives Uh, just placed. Yeah, that was another thing as well. When you going back and watching it, you're like, why, why really put those explosives there? Yeah, that's a a bit silly. Obviously, that's going to come into play in the end. In 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 terms of Chekhov's gun, it is that moment of look this way. This is important. Yes, yes. You know, what are some of your standouts from it? Oh, um, I like I said, I love. 
absolutely love all the sort of like um i'm a big fan of clive barker mm-hmm. and i love all that sort of like lovecraftian element to it the fact that you know they're all having these horrific sort of like you know they're all going crazy slowly they're all having yes. these visions and i love Lawrence fishburne's when he's talking sat down with jason isaac and he's discussing about why he keeps seeing the burning man so like the one time where you get him to like not be tough yeah rough captain. It, it, it's a brilliant and he talks Love about it, and he says scene. about like liquid the fire in space and it's like it's it, it, it's Oh yeah, yeah. It's, I love that. It's very reminiscent of Rutger Hauer's Tears in the Rain speech. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I think that's that's you know that's, that's Paul W.S. Anderson's nod to mm-hmm. to Ridley Scott. That's that, yeah. to Blade Runner. There is that yeah. sort of um there is that sort of feel to it. And I love that moment. I think it's absolutely great. I think the scene um where uh, the the character Baby Bear, oh man, pulls oh. himself out of the airlock. Uh, but it's that moment uh, when he comes back to his senses. Yeah, oh, that just, was heartbreaking. Just before that was heartbreaking. And I think, but that's done really, really well. And Actually, that whole sequence is amazing. Yeah, and I, the line, mind you, he said, "You know, is he is he gonna is he okay?" And he says, "Well, he's not gonna be pretty after it, but he'll survive." Yeah. and he like, does he lives yeah yeah well but does he though well that's what are your th- thoughts on the ending i love i see for me i love an ambiguous ending i love an open ending like that so i you know i feel like it's actually a well done open ending because yeah. it's it so like this whole the whole film you're just wondering you know what how much is the ship actually messing with them you know yeah. what is it capable of doing it's slowly throughout the film lets you know the powers of the ship. Yeah, and I mean that that idea of um it's sort of it it it's it sort of you saying about the haunted house sort of yeah. sort of vibe to it. It's sort of a moments I think it felt it felt a little bit like sort of um like almost like the Amateurville, isn't it? That 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 haunted yeah. house is alive and it's going to stop you. But yeah. it, it sets it up nicely for a sequel. So they could have gone. Yeah, they could, yeah, yeah. They I could, thought that as well. It could go down the route of Halloween two, where it picks up exactly where it leaves off, mm-hmm. or something like later on, where they could come back and discover who's left alive and those kind of things. <coughs> it's it's a great. Excuse me, I'm choking here slowly. <laughs> <coughs> um, it's a great, 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 great opening, and I love that. I love a downer of an ending. I've always, yeah. I, I've always loved the downer of an ending. I don't know why. I've just, really? I just oh yeah, there's there's like I think there's something, and I think. I don't think it was that much of a downer, though, because they are still kind of rescued. Yes. But it's just like, are they yes. actually rescued, you know? Yeah, yeah. It yeah. doesn't let you know. It says, it says yes, rescue crew is here. Yeah. But what it doesn't tell you is that could easily not be the rescue crew. Yeah. Well, they could it, be in hell. Is it that they're playing with his mind, with their mind? You know? And it, so it's not 100% a downer. No, no, no. Oh, God, the more I'm describing it, though, that that is pretty it, 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 You know, it's that idea in it that you're rescued. No, you're not. No. You, th- you, 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 oh. you, th- you think you're that safe? No, you're not, actually. Uh, because... We're just getting started. Yes. And it's that sort of like, um, it, it is that sort of like, you, you feel the evil yeah. slowly. And like, even though the ship is massive, mm. the film, as it goes on, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and tighter and tighter and tighter. Because, oh, yeah. Because actually they end up blowing big chunks of the ship away. Yeah, and it gets yeah. smaller and tighter and tighter and tighter, 
and then essentially they're just left in a room and you don't know they're they're left in the 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 tanks yeah yeah literally the smallest place imaginable yeah absolutely um the apocalyptic you know the log um you know i think you know even though we get a glimpse of it yeah, just the sort of you know with, with the, the fact that the you know they, they, there's this this kind of like bizarre sort of orgy that's taking place, and they're all like carving each other up as well. Mm-hmm. I think as much as we talk about like the sort of seeing the directors cut and there being more footage for that, the fact that you only see a snippet of it, yeah, it gives you that sort of like oh my god. What is you know what you know because they they clearly haven't bumped each other off at this point they 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 they're in the process of go everything has gone crazy, mm-hmm. absolutely crazy and like with the, when they sort of decipher the Latin, and they think first of all that the Latin is save us and it's yes. not it's save yourself. Yes, I like that. You know that is just superb. I think that you know and like um, Sam Neill's backstory with his wife. Yeah. Oh, that was tough for me to watch. That's like ooh. I don't I don't know why like but for some reason that's one of the bits of gore and gruesome that I I'm fine with a death orgy. Yes. Yeah. You see if you see if I see a woman slitting her wrist in a tub like ah, that was tough. Do you know what? That was tough. It's, do you know what? It sounds bizarre. Anything with a dog. Any oh, I time yeah, I can't do dogs. Any either. kind of animal cruel. That's it. I'm out. That's yeah. it. I'm out. You know, I'm happy with cannibal. You know, with uh, cannibal ferox. Uh, all day oh long. yeah you carry on you you know you know but the bit that i kind of checked out in the, some of the italian horror uh, cannibal films is where they started like killing animals on screen that was it then and you're like no, I was, no i'm done i'm done thank you yeah you ain't pulling me back now i don't care how many boobies you show me <laughs> i don't care it's you know i'm done Ask yeah. about. i remember being sat the one time um uh, in my mother-in-law's house and somebody put on one of these sort of like canine sort of movies where the dog's the war hero kind of thing and you just know uh, that and it, it was just like I can't, I can't. Uh, I'm yeah. already crying and the credits have just started like Marley and me oh god uh, that for terrible. me that's terror it's absolute yeah. that's abject terror for me that is just terror I can't watch those but yeah so for some reason give me all the death orgies all day long fucking yes. I'll take it but yeah, that that flashback with his is. But I liked how they didn't tell you right away at first. Yeah, because that that was like where the opening shot was with uh, him in, in in his apartment and her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you just you just think, oh, a strained relationship. Yeah. Or he's yeah. away. You know, he's away and he's missing his wife, and it, and then it sort of gets into it, and it's try. And then when she starts appearing to him with no eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eyes are a lot of there's a lot of no eyes in this film. I realized. Yeah, and I, I think it kind of sort of, it's that sort of idea of the dark. When they, I think it's that sort of like, not the sort of you know dig too deep into it. I think it's like this sort of, almost sort of like Eldridge abomination kind of feel mm. to it, where you have this, where they talk about um, the darkness, and the darkness mm-hmm. within, and actually removing your eyes, and the, you were trapped in the darkness, but you're still seeing everything. Yeah, yeah. So it's that kind of sort of like feel to it. And it just kind of adds to it. It's this sort of like, um, it all adds to that level of horror. That's sort of, yeah. And that demonic element. The, you know, mm-hmm. the, the fact that the ship is sort of, is slowly eating away at these people and sort of, you know, like like he says, 
we've got a crew now. Yeah. And it's going to drag them back to wherever it is. It's going to drag them back into that sort of that that, that, that sort of darkness. Yeah. Well, apparently give Sam Neil super strength. Yeah. That'll, <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> just as soon as he loses his eyes, he's just whipping people around rooms and stuff. What, lifting people up with one hand. Yeah. It's like, okay. But see, by, by, by that point in the film, I was all for it. It's. I think it's sort of. It is taking you to a particular point. Yeah. Where you know, you know. It. I think if they started doing that early on, um, I think I it's taking. No, no, it's taking you to a, that particular point, and that's where you sort of. Um, you're happy to go with it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just so wonderfully theatrically evil. Yes. There is. You know. Yes. It's just. It's just. It's like I said. He's the only person I think who could pull that off. Mm-hmm. I think he's the only person who could pull that off. Now, there are a couple of moments in this where it does kind of, like I said, shot in 1997. Uh, there are a couple of clunking moments. I think some of the CG. Some of the CG. All of the CG. <laughs> Some like of the, the wrench, what is it? The the wrench that's like spinning in yes. the main corner. Yeah. You're like, ah, oh, but but and then I think to myself, like, so shots like that, I'm like, why? Why on earth is that in there? Yeah. I can see like when you know, when you get some spotty so at the end when when the bit of the ship that has the drive in it goes into the black hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that looked garbage, but I could see why they had to do that. Yeah. I mean, it did tell the end of that story, you know, when the sh- when their ship is is rocking up. Is their ship called the Lewis and Clark? It is called right? the Lewis and Clark, which yeah, is, awesome, great name. Which that reference in the UK is lost on a number of people. Really? Oh yeah, yeah, because we don't get an awful lot of American, yeah, well, of American history. Um, you no, know where they're from, yeah? Yeah, well, they were explorers when they and they explored yeah. the, the, the yeah. frontier and um, yeah, second. we bought we is bought this... a massive chunk of land off of. Uh, forget who called louisiana purchase yeah sent out lewis and clark they went and explored a bunch mapped it all so sacagawea uh that's what i think they ran into at one point yeah yeah i think that's sort of they ran into a lot yeah which is like that's that's about sort of like kind of my my knowledge extends to sort of i knew that they were explorers yeah that's really well i mean that's all you need to for that reference you know you know like that the other Lewis reference Clark showing up, seeing it. Yeah. Or oh, the other reference could be it's Lois and Clark from Superman. Uh, that's the obvious one. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought. I thought, of course. A, yeah. Why not? Direct <laughs> reference to that amazing TV show. <laughs> now, what did you think of the CG though? I thought the CG in certain parts was shit. Yeah. With the capital yeah. shit. Yes. Um, however, the opening shot where the with the spacecraft is like spinning in orbit around Earth, dude, that was amazing. They spent pretty much uh, over half of the effects budget on that one shot. He blew it completely on, on that. Well, I mean, it does show, but there's not much CG in that, though. I thought no, but that's I thought pr- there was a lot of practical mixed with um, then just mapping on the background of Earth. Yeah, but it's that—that's where all the money went. So that's where we get the clunky CG. Ah, got you. Yeah, that's where you, because that model they built for that yeah. was huge, and also I bet you they probably spent a lot on that main corridor of the Event Horizon. Yeah, because great... that was stunning. Yes, it, it you know in, that is that is phenomenal set building. Yes. That is phenomenal yep. set building. Now, this film, bizarrely, was not a hit when it came out. What? It was not a hit. How on earth? 
<laughs> and like you know, we were we were chatting out just before we start. You had a budget of sixty million dollars. Yes, which I still think is is that. <sighs> it's a shitload of money. 90s, is ninety-seven? Yes. That's a that is kind of a lot of money, isn't it? You know, to quote um, to quote uh, somebody from New Bridge that I uh, that I know, a lot of coin that, but a lot of coin. <laughs> yeah, that is expensive. Yeah, sixty so million. So why would they give sixty million to the guy who just did Mortal Kombat? Because that made a ton of money. Yeah, it made a uh, hundred twenty million for Mortal Kombat was yeah. the budget. Yeah. Yeah, it made racked, a, racked in 122. It made a ton of money. It made, you know, that's insane. That is insane. Yeah. Well, one thing though, I think like that I, I struggle with. Yeah. So, Event Horizon cost 60 million, then uh, only made what 25 or something. Yeah. Worldwide gross was 26 million. Oh, 26. Yeah, that's horrendous. So one that doesn't even take into account marketing. No. But I bet you they don't spend. Because what is it now? You double your production budget yeah. on marketing. Yeah. yeah. I doubt they probably spent that much in 97 on it. Well, you know, this, what, what's really, really interesting about this is, and the studio um, who released it, um, really, who, really, Paramount, it's Paramount. Paramount. Yeah. Hmm. And, and Paramount have historically treated their horror projects really, really badly. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, the way in which they treated like the Friday the 13th franchise. Um, yeah. So they were. It's almost like they were ashamed of their horror product. Um, so especially they Friday the Thirteenth made them money a lot. It may, and continues to make them stupid money. Yep. Silly, I mean, you know, it's 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 they're made very cheaply, very very quickly. Mm. Boom, mm-hmm. and it's out. But they released this in the summer. Yeah, stupid. Which, you know, if we think about summer movies, we think about big blockbuster events, we think about sort of, you know, classically, you think about Jaws, um, the mm-hmm. Avengers movies, you know, you know, all of the big, big... No, they put it out in the summer, and it's not really a feel-good summer movie. God, no. Let's, not even close. Let's, let's take the kids to see people <laughs> gouge each other's eyes out. Did it end up with an R rating? Because I know there was some like drama with that, wasn't there? Yeah, they it it managed to avoid it by cutting the thirty minutes out. So, oh, so they got PG thirteen. So they got. I think it just about scraped it, just okay. about. Okay. Um, but the actual, um, like I said, there's thirty minutes of this film that just are are, are gone. They're, gone, they're, they're, gone. Gone. They no longer yeah, exist. Yeah, because I was gonna. I wanted to ask you because um, I know. So I. I didn't have a copy of it on DVD. Most of my, when I moved over here, I had to leave all my DVDs behind. And I think I first saw it and my parents had it on DVD. Yeah. You had it on, you watched it on DVD, didn't you? I did you? watch it on DVD, yeah. Um, and there was no, like, because I know especially with films from the 90s, they'll no, say, oh, we got director's cut. No, no, because features. there was none of that. No, none of it is gone. They were, they found. We watched the same version. Yeah, exactly the same version. They found uh, a VHS copy. Okay. Which was so badly damaged, uh, of a rough, uh, uh, yeah, of a rough cut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they found a VHS copy of it that sort of no longer that ended up having to be binned um, because it's just falling apart. Now, here's the crazy thing. <laughs> Here is the absolutely insane thing, the story behind what massive superhero franchise did he turn down to direct to make this film? 
Ooh, I love this. Okay. Uh, so it would have, it would, did he the, this he franchise movie come out in 97? It came out, well, it, they were looking to start production, but it, yeah. it was eventually released in 2000, but they would have started production, it was in its very early infancy. X-Men? Yeah. Had to be. Yeah, it was X-Men. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He was going to make X-Men. Oh. And he turned it down. He turned oh. it down. He said, no, I am going to make... Because he made uh, Mortal Kombat, which is a PG thirteen, but it was no. Sorry, Wait. it is an R. It's an R thirteen. It's an it's an R rating. It did get an R rating. It would have got an Mortal X. Mortal Kombat got an R. No, Mortal Kombat got a PG thirteen. How on earth was I watching that? <laughs> Pretty. I don't know if you you know my my sort of uh, parents were fairly lax. Yeah, um, mine were pretty chill. Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't realize they were that chill. Because, like I said, I mean, this is me showing my age bit, but I would watch it. From the video store when I was sick home from school as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like not an old kid. No, no. <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah. You turned down X Men. Um, so it got. Um... To be honest, I think I'm kind of glad. Yeah, the initial well, rough cut. Can't, I, I can't really say that because it could be something totally different. Like we might not have gotten Apocalypse or X Men Three or Dark Phoenix if he yeah. would have done. <laughs> yeah. It might, have, it might have just killed its stone in the water. Yeah. Um, but he but he wanted to make it because um, he'd done, like he said, he made made a PG-13 movie and he wanted to go and make something a bit more grisly and a bit more gruesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, But they threatened it with the, is it the NC-17? MP, NC-17. Did they really? They yeah, yeah. It, which that's, is sort that's of, one above R in the States. Which is like reserved for porn, really, isn't it? Essentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they were going to threaten it with that. Yeah, yeah. So we had to take out, like I say, 30 minutes. Wow. Now, here's here's another thing I'm curious about as well. So we, we established that it lost money. Yeah. Box office. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's say, give or take, you know, back in 97, they spent 30 million of it on advertising. Yeah. So you're looking at 90, minute, 90 million cost yeah. for the film. Only gross 26. Since then, though... Because I feel like this film actually still has a pretty decent reputation. It has made its money back. Uh, yeah, that's what I wouldn't be surprised if. But I mean, obviously, that's not lucrative to a studio that says you'll make your money back, but in like twenty-three years. Yeah, I mean, like what's interesting is that um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was um, in one of Mark Kermode's books. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about actually, films aren't flops anymore. Really, yes. realistically, they don't, you know, and people talk about like, oh, it was a, it was a terrible opening weekend. It only made a hundred billion. Or, you know, it's like what? Yeah, well, you know, this is ridiculous. But the way in which films now, between streaming, between uh, mm-hmm. and, and even though physical sales are down, they still they still make a lot of money from physical sales. Um, Look at Andrew, man. Absolutely, absolutely, but. They don't. The last genuine flop, yeah, um, for a studio, genuine outright flop was Cleopatra, with Richard Burton and Elizabeth what? Taylor. That was the last genuine flop. But even Cleopatra eventually yeah. made his money back. That was ages ago. Yeah, literal ages ago. Yeah, yeah. That that was the Decades last ago. genuine flop. Wow. I mean, there have been films that have been made that have put studios out of business. Yeah. 
And there have been some that didn't make their production budget back through box office sales. Yes, but essentially, but even Waterworld has has now made its money back and more. Probably with all those like stunt shows and stuff, like they definitely sold those rights, like made a killing. Yeah, Waterworld is is still is now a filming profit. Yeah, Uh, you know what upsets me the most about this though. So there's two two recent examples of films. I, I love love superheroes as well. Yeah. Two films. One, Amazing Spider-Man 2 and both Justice League. Yeah, yeah. Were considered flops. Yeah. Or not enough to make another one. And Justice League, I think, made $860 million or something worldwide. And Amazing Spider-Man 2 also made maybe not that much. But, I mean, you're talking... That's... That's insane. It's, it's crazy money. It's but they crazy. looked down on it, yeah. saying, oh, it wasn't as good because it didn't make a billion like Avengers yeah. did. Or, yeah. You know? That's yeah. ridiculous. And I think what's happened now in terms of sort of budgets and mm-hmm. those kind of things is that actually it's the perception of being a flop. Yes. Which sort of it, it's that it's it's the sort of I think the idea of being a flop now is more of, um, I mean don't get me wrong there are some people who will argue blue with you know to lay blue in the face no it did not make its money and it, it is therefore not worth doing again, mm-hmm. but it's 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 more of an idea that something mm-hmm. didn't make its money back because it will make its money back because if you yeah. take into consideration, um, like international particularly the market Chinese market for films mm. is massive it's, it's huge. huge it's it's, it's insane even not just what they put out in the cinema what they put out like on store shelves and stuff yeah absolutely like, and you have to think in 97 worldwide gross is nothing yes yeah it's crazy you know? I mean, so and and now those so something like event horizon you can get on store shelves in yeah. other countries around the world not yeah. every single one no but so you're not just looking at domestic in the u.s no, in Canada. I, and now you look at streaming, you look at Amazon, you look at Netflix, you look at Hula, you look at Shudder, you look at all of the, you know, it's all there. It's all, it's yeah. instant. So mm-hmm. that I, you know, which when you're trying to raise a budget or you're trying to get, it, it, it does make, it, it, it does sort of make you think where is, there's money out there. Yeah. There's money out there, but where does it, you know, where are you, where are we going to get it from? Yeah. Yeah. But it's you know it's it's an inc- it's incredible to think that you know because people hated this when it came out. Um, so the, some of the yeah some of the critics were fairly unpleasant about it. Because um, I, I, to be honest with you, like I can't I don't really I can't see why. Yeah, and, and trying to even put my my genre like likings out of it. Yeah, we, objectively, it is a good film. It is well acted. Yes, it's a simple story, but it's a very like unique. Uh, it's a very interesting, intriguing story. It drags you. It brings you in. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The effects aren't that good, but you so like. As long as your story is good and your acting is good, the directing is actually yeah. Like for it being chopped up the way it was. Yeah, yeah. It still is a well-told story. It's just a bit tighter. Yeah, and I mean, what's really interesting? How be so bad with critics? That's so. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's it's. I always, you know, whenever you sort of really want to look at, uh, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. Yes. Read one of like Robert Egbert's, um, one of his reviews about anything yeah. horror. Is he the man had a very bizarre 
relationship with 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 horror and he hated it he hated it right oh yeah he hated it the genre. I, yeah absolutely despised the genre but then he would sort of say like one film would demonize one film but then absolutely you know love another you know it's it's it doesn't make any sense but he sort of described this as a film with uh a sense of foreboding and afterboding but with no boding <laughs> all right um which is a very strange i think he just thought that sounded cool yeah to say. yeah yeah i don't know what it means I have no no clue what it means. I have no idea what it means. Because that film definitely had foreboding in it. Absolutely. Throughout. Absolutely. Absolutely. With now, an extra pinch of boating. Yes. <laughs> Is there anything uh, that you can think of right now that we have missed? Because we have covered we've covered masses amounts. Um, I do want to talk about how the uh, how the director of the cinematic classics, both Mortal Kombat and Event Horizon, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then, then went on to do such things as the Three Musketeers and <laughs> not all of the Resident Evil films and Pompeii. Oh and... God, Pompeii! Oh God! I really oh, Re- Alien versus Predator is actually not the worst thing in the world. Oh, holy shit! He did Soldier. Yeah, yeah. So, wow, dude, he had a good ninety-five to ninety-eight. Really? <laughs> Mortal Kombat, Event Horizon, and Soldier. Yeah, none of them made money except Mortal Kombat. Yes, but I loved them all. I love. So- I got to be honest with you. I really like Soldier. Oh my I god, think- Soldier bombed more than. Oh, Soldier is one of like one of the all-time greatest films to tank. Wow. Soldier was just like horrific. It, it, it was a good film. Kurt Russell is amazing in it. Yeah, yeah. And so just, he went on to do the Resident. <laughs> the first Resident Evil is good. Yeah. Well, I got. I, I love the Resident Evil franchise. They're just completely stupid. They're ridiculous films. Tell me, tell me what the plot of the fifth one is. Exactly the same as the first one. <laughs> Mila Jovovich wanders around with very little on, killing things. That is essentially it. That's all you need to know. That's it. You know, he married her. That's his yeah, wife. Yeah, she's not a bad-looking girl. You know, and essentially... So, she is talented, I think. What does my audience... What does the Resident Evil audience want? We want uh, zombies. We want yeah. strange mutant zombies. Yeah, and we want Mila Jovovich wearing very little, kicking butt, kicking butt. Job done. I think we're good. Great meeting, guys. Script writes itself. <laughs> okay, next. Well, that's literally that's why I can't remember which one I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I think, and he sort of he he wrote all of them, uh, and then he dipped out in terms of the uh, he produced most of them after that. However, um, the Musketeer, Three Musketeers. Um, There's no excuse for that. Orlando Bloom's. Um, <laughs> <coughs> excuse me, I'm even choking. Thinking, I, I think Orlando Bloom's mustache does most of the acting. <laughs> like, I think that should have been front and center. <sighs> not a easily. Good film. It's not a good film. It's not a good film. Um, but he did. You know, he was involved in like the Death Race remakes. Um, yeah. You know, he, I was looking. Did he direct the first one and then kind of he helped out with the others? Produced them. Yeah, he produced them. Yeah, but out of all of the films that he has done, um, I think the Three Musketeers and Pompeii are some of the biggest stinkers. I couldn't even bother with Pompeii, man. 
I love the fact. And I so wanted to like it. And one of the, not the, the guy who's opposite of uh, Kit Harrington. Yes. Is a phenomenal actor. Yeah. Well, you've and got... I can never pronounce his name. Adewaya. Um, yep. Adjabaji, I think. Yep, I, I butchered your one. name. I apologize to you, sir, profusely. But, but he is next level good. However. Yes. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland's in it. <laughs> as a Roman, um, uh, as a Roman senator, <laughs> it's just insane. And I love the fact that Kit Harrington didn't know what he was signing up to. Did he not? Not really. No, he had no idea that he had to you know, really train for it, or sort of, you know, he just got the script. He was still in reasonable shape from doing Game of Thrones. Yeah, got paid a lot of money, got to go to Italy, and made the film. Well, yeah, would you? Like, I wouldn't say no. No. Are you going to pay? You know, it's like, um, yeah, we got this film. We got this idea. It's about Pompeii. Um, here's a lot of money. Okay, I'm in. Right. Sign on the line. Yeah. It's like Michael Caine uh, when he talks about, uh, what you know, at one point in your life, what made you sort of decide on a script? And he said, oh, very wow. simple, where, where, you know, it's sort of, oh, Caribbean. Happy days. I'll be there. Yeah. And that was it. That's how he made Jaws the Revenge. Jaws 4. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But like, here's the thing as well. I don't know. I think um, we do, we do like actors can get bad reps sometimes, but they are, they're just one part in a machine. Absolutely. You know, at the end of the day. And also like exactly what you're saying. If somebody comes up to you, tells you they're going to shoot in this lovely place, you're going to get tons of money. Ask anybody that question. What's their answer going to be? Oh God, yeah. Same. You know, if somebody turned around to me now and said, "Look, you, um, we know you're an incredible ham. However, mm. I'm going to pay you a lot of money. Um, you're going to get to go to, you know, we're going to shoot some kind of gladiator movie, and away you go." And I'll be like, "Look, I'll happily put on the leather thong. Yes, the oh, beer yeah. belly will be out. It won't yes. look. It won't look great. No, but thank you very much." I will yeah. do it. Thank you. Like, Thank you. at the end of the day, it's entertainers. You're entertainers. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're not rocket scientists. You're no. not like, your job is to entertain people. And it just so happens that in this reality, you get paid oodles of money sometimes for it. I mean, the, the just I just realized the thought of me in some kind of gladiator movie with a leather thong running around is just terrifying. And I it's quite think... possibly scarred many a person listening to this now. <laughs> <laughs> Or has given them great ideas for films. Yes, yes, yeah. And you yeah. could find yourself with a whole subgenre. You know of what? That would be, be acting in. That would be a very niche market. Ah, oh, yeah. That would never... be very niche. You I think never... it, you know it's it's like right up there from the line of Family Guy. Have you got anything with a dwarf or an amputee? I think <laughs> it's. <laughs> I would love to see that film though. Yes. 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 Anyway. <clears throat> Back, back to Event Horizon. Yeah. Scores on the doors. Where would you score this out of 10? One being the worst, 10 being the greatest. Right. I would give it realistically, I would say an 8 out of 10. Do you know what? I, I was, I, I have, I, it's, a, it's an 8 for me. I've yeah. got a lot of fun. You know, I think some people may say, what? But actually, I've got a lot of nostalgia for this film. Yeah. Um, I think it's a very, very, I think, I think it's a, overall, even though it's a bit, you know, like you said, we talked about CGI, and I think it's very well acted. Mm -hmm. the, the set design is superb. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I just, I just, I, I love the entire universe that it's set in. Yeah. I think it's, I, I, for me, it's, an, it, it's definitely an eight out of ten, and I think you know, it's something that should be in everybody's DVD collection. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Uh, I'm shocked that it got pandered so much when it came out. Yeah, yeah. So, my good friend, we have just done like an hour and a half. Oh of, wow! Yeah, and it's flown by. It's absolutely flown by. That's um, would you like to tell the good people where they can find you on your social media? Uh, yeah, you can find me Instagram at DG Nelson uh, and Twitter or D underscore G underscore Nelson. I'm really bad at that. And same with Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Exact same with Twitter. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like I said, you, sir, you, as I say to all my guests, uh, you have an open invitation to come back anytime yes you amazing. just you, you know anything you you know we'll we will sort something out we'll get you back on at wicked any time. man i would absolutely love to Derek, it's been an absolute pleasure man it's been a pleasure thank you so much for being on i really really appreciate it you have yeah, yourself a you good evening me. you have a good evening and we'll talk soon yes yes we'll do thanks again man really appreciate that take care buddy bye once again i would like to say Thank you to Derek for being on the show, and I'm sure we will be able to get him back on soon. Great talking with him, um, and I love Event Horizon. Who doesn't? Great. But you know what time it is now, folks? It is time for What the Wookie Watched. And up first, we have got The Castle of Terror, also known as The Virgin of Nuremberg, also known as Horror Castle, from 1963. Let's check out the trailer. La collera di Dio e degli uomini ha distrutto Norimberga, la città della tortura e del vizio. La mente dell'uomo è al servizio del male. Gli strumenti di tortura sono sempre simili ovunque si vada. Avevano una fantasia veramente diabolica i nostri avi. La Vergine di Norimberga, il più efferato strumento di tortura. La donna più desiderata. Sembra che abbia ucciso più di una donna, torturandole nella Vergine di Norimberga. La donna e la tortura indissolubilmente legate nell'allucinante orrore della Vergine di Norimberga. Okay, that was the Italian trailer of The Virgin of Nuremberg, a.k.a. Castle of Horror, a.k.a. The Castle of Terror. Now, I stumbled across this one um, by pure chance, and if you were to look at the Castle of Horror on maybe something like the U of the Tube, you, you'll you come across this. And it's a really, really good transfer. It's got a really, it's really well, um, um, it's got a really good picture. It's been, uh, I, I think it may have come across uh, from a blue, from a DVD. Um, can't remember which company it is, but I'll, I'll 
put a link in the show notes to it. But it's 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 well worth. It's really really good for a change because sometimes you can fight, come across these things and the quality of the picture is a bit ropey. But this one is spot on. Um, it was directed by Antonio Margariti uh, under the name of Anthony Dawson. Yeah, um, it was based on a Frank Bogart novel, The Virgin of Nuremberg. Now, it stars Christopher Lee, George Rivera, uh, Bosana Padecha and Laura Nuici. Um, this is a great sort of haunted house, gothic, Italian, uh, German production. Uh, very, very much in the style of Mario Bava. Um, it's beautifully shot. Um, it's it's very well acted. Um, the villain uh, has got a really really cool costume. Absolutely, you know, absolutely love it. And the story behind this one is you have a woman who's being tortured, uh, or, or sort of various women are being kidnapped and tortured um, in sort of uh, medieval torture devices um, by a hooded assailant. Um, it's great. It's absolutely superb. Um, the one drawback on this is Christopher Lee, even though he um, he obviously he spoke Italian and he spoke German, um, and he did his voice own voiceover for both the German version is for the English uh, dub of this. Um, they dubbed him over with somebody else, which I just cannot get my head round. That being said, though, um, he's not in a massive amount. It's a proper little cameo role, but he is very very good on screen um i love this I, I gotta be honest i came across it by total chance i absolutely loved it um what i would say is go and check this out um it's it, i'm not going to go into too much detail because i don't want to spoil it for you going completely blind um like i said you can find it on youtube and um i loved it it's it, it, like i said it has all the elements of great italian gothic it, it's it's shot like a like as if barber had shot it himself um the costuming the set decoration the movement of the camera in this is very very good as well um so definitely go and check it out and for me um it's a 7.5 out of 10 okay up next we have got clive barker's the Midnight Meat Train from 2008. Let's check out the trailer. What interests you? The city. Because no one's ever captured it. Not the way it really is. That's my goal, that's my dream. Then you're failing. The next time you find yourself at the heart of the city, stay put, keep shooting. It began with a photograph. A single act of unthinkable evil. What happened? I saw it. Take your pictures to the cops. I wasn't stalking her. But you did continue to photograph. Represent missing people for the last three years. The only way to make it stop. I followed them into the subway. He butchers them like cows. <laughs> they never find the remains because he unloads the meat somewhere. Is to go for the ride. I got a train to catch.
legendary mind of Clive Barker. And visionary director Yuhei Kitamura. See it the way it was meant to be seen. The Midnight Meat Train, unrated director's cut. Own it on DVD and Blu-ray. Okay, that was the trailer for The Midnight Meat Train from 2008, based on uh, the Clive Barker uh, short story. Um, this was directed by Rayuri Kitamura. Um, of course, people remember him from uh, Verses. Um, he did... Um, oh, God, Azume, which I love Azume. He appears in um, Nightmare Cinema. One of my favourite films, when we cover this one that, that he has done, is Downrange, which I think is a really, really good little horror. Um, but um, he is working off a Jeff Bueller script, obviously based on the Clive Barker short story. This one stars Vinnie Jones, Bradley Cooper, Leslie Bibb and Brooke Shields. Um, and Roger Bart appears. Now, I love Roger Bart. He is a great, great theatre actor as well, and I, I really, really love him. Um, I couldn't quite work out... I didn't quite recognise Brooke Shields for some reason. For whatever reason, I could not identify with Brooke Shields being in this type of film. That being said, what's the story? Well, it's very, very simple. You have a photographer who becomes obsessed with following dark, horrible, horrific crimes on the New York underground or in New York itself, I think. Um, but he happens to stumble across a late-night serial killer. Um, again, this is... For those of you who haven't read the book, I'm not going to go into too many spoilers on this one, because it does have a little bit of a one-two punch on it. Um, I think this is sort of a very, very standard affair. It's got some good gore. It's got a great little cameo from Ted Raimi. Um, this... The, the sort of... Um, the the bit of a this twisting in the tail of it is 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 okay. Bradley Cooper is all right in it. Um, I know probably I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but I think there are certain projects uh, with Bradley Cooper in that are just meh. Um, but he's a superb actor, and I think he's just a little bit meh in this. Vinnie Jones is great in this. Um, he's having you know you can see he's having a blast. Um, Quinton Rampage Jackson, obviously of uh, UFC and Pride fame, pops up in a role as a guardian angel <laughs> on the subway uh, and has a bit of a bit of a tussle with Vinny. Um, like I said, this is OK. Visually, it's very, very uh, interesting. Some of the CG plays out a little bit shonky in parts, um, but um, it's entertaining. It zips along at a nice pace. You know, it, I wasn't bored at any point. Um, like I said, some of the dialogue's a bit... Mm, um, however, that being said, it's an entertaining film. It's got some good moments in it. Um, it's a shame that Bradley Cooper is not stronger in the lead. Um, and I would give this a 6 out of 10. Okay, up next, we have got, from 2019, Rob Zombie's Three From Hell. Let's check out the trailer. 
The search for the fugitives known as the Devil's Rejects resulted in a violent clash with police. Chances for survival are less than a million to one. There's no justice in this world. I am justice. They're trying to blame us, but we didn't do it. Free the three. Free the three. Free the three. Free the three. <laughs> now we can have a real day of the dead. <laughs> Any last words? Mm, I still want a party. Just a clown dancing for the sins of mankind. Did I just call <laughs> This is my death factory. You are the product. I love it. That was the trailer for Three From Hell, of course, written and directed by Rob Zombie. It stars his wife, Sherry Moon Zombie, Bill Mosley, Sid Haig, all three of the originals from the House of a Thousand Corpses, and this obviously being the third and possibly final part in the trilogy. Um, It also stars Jeff Daniel Phillips uh, and Richard Brack. I'm a big Richard Brack fan. I think he's a great, great, great character uh, actor. Also, Dee Wallace pops up in this one. Uh, Richard Edson pops up in this. Um, And, of course, this follows the... um, the sequel to A House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects. And... um, I was really, really excited for this. I'm like I said, I've said it numerous times. I'm a bit of a Rob Zombie apologist, and I like I love his music. Um, I like most of his films. Um, I hated Thirty One. Got to be honest with you. Um, but this, I don't. I just felt. I don't know. I kind of. I, I wanted this to be the Devil's Rejects, you know, because I thought that was so good. Um, this feels like it's three movies battling with each other trying to get out um you get the i think the first you know the first part you get the sort of um the prison break movie or the prison movie um where you get you know uh, where you've got uh, the plot and the plan to get um baby out of prison um you've then got the home invasion movie uh, thrown in with a bit of torture porn in there um, and then you get the Sam Peckinpah sort of uh, element to the film where they are with with they're down in Mexico. Um, for for me also in this is kind of bittersweet seeing Sig, Sid Haig, obviously in a much much reduced role as Captain Spaulding. Um, I mean he was he was apparently he was very ill whilst making this, to, and to see him reduced his role reduced down as well um, was a bit of a shame. Um, However, we do get Richard Brack, and again, he's superb in this. Bill Mosley um, is 
excellent in this. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, hate out there for Sherry Moon Zombie, but she does play the character of Baby very, very well, and I'm I'm quite I'm you know I've got no problems with that. Um, I like I said at times this tries to be all things to all people, um, and I think where um, House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects uh, works really, really well. Is it's true to thine own self to be true? I suppose it's true to itself. It's not trying to do all sorts. Of, you know, trying to do all different things. Um, this has great moments in it. It has um, some interesting. You know, it's got some really good one-liners. And Bill Mosley's um, delivery is absolutely superb. However, there is something missing. There is something missing, and I think that I think sadly, I think we'll, people will look back at this as a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, that being said, I didn't hate it. Um, and I would probably give this a 6.5 out of 10. So, ladies and gentlemen, our time is drawing to a close. But just one more thing before we go. If you've enjoyed this show uh, and you enjoy this episode in particular or any of our other episodes, why not buy me a coffee? Because... A caffeinated Wookiee is a happy Wookiee. So why not check us out on Buy Me A Coffee? Um, the link will be in the show notes, so you can find it up there, or you can go click on, you know, type it into Google, Buy Me A Coffee, and uh, you can make a donation to the show, which will help keep us going, uh, because we've got some really exciting things that we got planned, um, and obviously what we want to do is reinvest in this and get some new equipment and for some other projects we're going to need to spend a little bit of money for rehearsal space and those kind of things so if you enjoy it and want to keep us going and want to support us that would be much, much appreciated so once again thank you to Derek for being on honestly he was a great guest uh, having him on um, and I'm sure he will be back very, very soon so all that's left for me to say to you ladies and gentlemen in the immortal words Count Good night out there.